0: If you have your Bibles today, why don't you open them up to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Hey, thanks for letting us just kind of be informal and talk with you about that. You might think, hey, we me fast forward this. But it means a lot for us to be able to communicate with you and to tell you what's going on and, and uh, pray with you like that. So let's just go to the Word of God today. Uh, we're we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 11 today. And uh, we have been reading about the miracles of Jesus, Right? And this is the title of this little mini-series is Miracles with Meaning. Uh, so we've been reading about the miracles of Jesus, and we have seen what they meant to people in the moment, and we have tried to explore and uh, embrace what they mean to us today. They, we realize that they meant something significant and that they continue to mean something. Today, Today, we're going to hear from someone. For whom the miracles of Jesus had meaning, but not because he needed a miracle, but because he needed their meaning. He needed to know if Jesus was the one that he was expecting, or if he should keep looking. What a powerful question. He wants to know if Jesus is the one, he said that we, are you the one we are looking for? Are you the one who is to come? Or should we keep looking? What a powerful question. What a power and and that question resonates with us today. How Jesus answers his question should also inform our expectations and strengthen our faith that Jesus is the one. We need to pay attention to the question that this person asks and then pay careful attention to how Jesus answers so that it will inform our expectations and strengthen and focus our faith as well. You ready? Here we go. Shorter passage today than last week. Last week we finished off Matthew 10. but uh, So we're going to pick it up right now in Matthew chapter 11. And it says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples. So verse 1 of chapter 11 summarizes the bulk of what we read in chapter 10. In fact, pretty much all of chapter 10 is Jesus' instructions to his disciples regarding their mission. Remember, big Jesus means big mission. So what we should understand is that basically Jesus, Matthew, just kind of intends us to know that they have been sent out. Matthew doesn't give us a lot of um, information about their ministry at this time. Remember, Matthew's agenda is Jesus. He wants us, his audience to know who Jesus is. His, his, Matthew's agenda is Big Jesus. Okay, And uh, so, so after he sends off his disciples, they're not the point of the story quite yet. He went on from there to teach and to preach in the towns of Galilee. So <clears throat> when we hear that Matthew using the phrase teach and preach, we should remember 4.23, 9.35. We should remember that what that means is that Jesus is continuing to go and to teach and to preach and to heal every sickness and every disease among the people. Okay? Now, so he's he has, Jesus hasn't changed the subject. Jesus, Matthew hasn't changed. Jesus, Jesus hasn't said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out. You guys do that. Now on to other things. That was phase one. Now we're going to change the subject and talk about something else. That never happens. You might want to say to yourself, Jesus never changes the subject. Yes. It's always his kingdom. It's always the dem- the proclamation and demonstration of his kingdom. Now verse 2. <clears throat> when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah... He sent his he, he sent his disciples to ask him quote are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else Jesus replied go back and report to John what you hear and see the blind receive sight the lame walk those who have leprosy are cleansed the deaf hear the The dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So after Jesus gives instructions to his disciples, he sends them out. And what we need to understand is during the events, the extended period of events between... because. After Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount in 7 and then 8 and 9, in Matthew's narrative, uh, we haven't heard from John for quite a while, right? During the events of, cha- of chapters 8 and 9, John the Baptist has been imprisoned. We're not Matthew doesn't record that for us yet, but he's been imprisoned. And while Jesus is ministering primarily around in that region of Galilee, John the Baptist, whose ministry was at the Jordan and perhaps a little bit closer to Jerusalem, uh, John the Baptist has been arrested and now he is languishing in prison. Uh, one of the best things is on the, on the, on the TV series, The Chosen, we do see John what, in what we, what could be imagined is the kind of prison he was in It, it. When we say languishing, he was languishing. He wasn't a VIP. He wasn't under house arrest, uh, he was under he 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 had antagonized he had called out Herod for for his evil behavior and Herod was no bueno and uh, so John the Baptist is in prison and some of what Jesus had been up to I know okay some of what Jesus had been up to the news of that reached John while he was in prison now I don't not to be pedantic not to be condescending but remember there is nobody has nobody has a cell phone nobody can text. Nobody has any social media. There wasn't there wasn't like a quick a quick print. There wasn't even magazines. So it had so so when things were happening, it had to spread word of mouth. Now you and I both know word of mouth can spread pretty quickly. Within, especially within a town or a region, but then they would have someone would have to go and go to another town or another town, and uh, and uh, where Jesus was teaching in the area, even if let's say Capernaum, Capernaum's twenty miles away from uh, from Jerusalem. So wherever John was in prison, and I should do my homework before I start yammering about it, there would have it would have you understand it would have taken some effort, and it would have and and the details would have been sketchy. So it's not like he was reading the book of Matthew. And, and, all, you know, and, and the language and the words and the verbiage and the exchange and the conversation. None of that. He was hearing things. And not only was he, ha- to, to further restrict communication, he's in prison. He's not hanging out in the, in the local canteen. He's in prison, isolated. So someone has to get to him. Word has to get to him in prison, long distance. So I'm just trying to say, get the idea. John's isolated. He's in the dark. He's in prison. But he hears. Some of, the, some of the word of what Jesus was doing had reached him there. So he sent some of his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now that question probably is curious for you and I, the reader, because we know that John knows who Jesus is. John's the one who introduced him. right? Hey, there's Jesus. And then he says, Hey, why are you baptizing me? I mean, why am I back? You should be baptizing me. And then he's like, there's the lamb of God. And he sees the dove come down and all that kind of thing. So, but he knows who Jesus is, but there is something about John's circumstance, his circumstance, his need, and his expectation that leads John to ask the question, Jesus, are you the one? And how Jesus answers that question is important to John and it's important to us. You see, John and the whole community, that whole first century, well, for longer than that, but there, there, that, the, 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 the temperature of expectation for Messiah was white hot. If you read through the Gospels, you'll hear people constantly referring to "Are you the one we are you the expected one? Are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the prophet?" There has a it was there it it was no accident. Just like when, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, people begin to feel it. You can feel it in the air when God is up to something. And 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 no, at no greater time could that have been sensed than Messiah. Things, the literature of the day. I don't have time to even write to you about the the for the for for the last hundred and fifty years before Jesus. All the literature that was in circulation, talking about the one who was to come and what he would do and how he would do it and what he would accomplish. All of it was a reflection and a commentary on the Old Testament passages which had been informing expectations and had been there had been increasing understanding and increasing appreciation for what the Old Testament described what the Messiah would do. Let me just rehearse some of these with you because it's important that you understand the background, the significance of the question, are you the one? Which one do they mean? Which one do they mean when they say, are you the one? Consider some of these passages that are telling them who is to come. Remember, all the way back in the book of Numbers, this may not be the first example, but in the book of Numbers, as the people of Israel are in the midst of their exodus, um, they're, they're, they, remember, There's a, a wicked king hires a, 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 a four hire prophet to curse the people of Israel. And he stands up, and one of his last times he tries to do it, he gets on a huge mountainside where he can see the entire people, and, he, and, he, and he's going to utter something, but he looks down at them, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon uh, 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 Balaam, this prophet, and he says, he looks down at two million people crossing the desert, and he says, I see him. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. He says a star will come out of Jacob and a scepter will rise from Israel. Later on in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses is talking to the people and, and about the time that he's preparing to depart, he tells them, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. He's not just talking about prophets to come, they will come, but he says singularly, he said, he will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. But there was never, but then the book goes on to say there was never another person like Moses. That the people of Israel never had. There was never another person like Moses who talked to God face-to-face. So how do we put those two things together? Somebody's coming who's just like me, but there's nobody just like But But among you, there's never going to be one just like me. So that means there's got to be somebody special coming. The, and the prophet Isaiah, he he sees something. And we've, we usually refer to this passage during Christmas. But the prophet Isaiah, this is a little bit longer, so I'm going to read this quickly. But this is, this is important. What were they Who were they expecting? Who is this one that John was talking about? Are you the one, Jesus? What he means is, here's Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. This is who they're expecting. No more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past... He humbled the land of Zebulun and the, and the land of Naphtali. That was the, the northern part. That was the, the land of the tribes of, those of the tribes of Israel that were in the land of Galilee. Hello, Galilee. Okay, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the of the Gentiles by way, by by the way of the Sea beyond the Jordan. Why? What will happen in Galilee? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. You have increased their joy. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice in the plunder. Why? Here's the one. For unto us a child is given. To us a son is given. Right, A child was born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Listen to how the fullness of how he's described. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah continues in chapter 11. He talks about a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. He will be known because the spirit will be upon him. Hallelujah. The anointed one, Messiah, Christ, right? Listen, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, meaning he won't judge on appearances, but he will but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. And with justice, he will with, he will give decisions for the poor, He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt. Faithfulness, the sash around his waist. One more passage. Listen to Isaiah 35, verses 3 through 6. Who is the one they are expecting? What will he be like? Here's Isaiah. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. Who's coming? Your God your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf, deaf, unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. So, though according to just these passages, and there's more, but just these passages help us understand John's question. Are you the one? The one that they were expecting would be a prophet. He would be a ruler. He would be a light in the darkness. He would be, he would carry divine title, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. The greatness and peace of his government would be endless. The idea is that he would be a ruler over all forever. Daniel chapter seven, the son of man. He would rule with justice and with righteousness. And he would show particular, unusual, rare, not preferential, but rare, genuine justice even for the poor. Yeah. For the broken. For, the, for those that had lost hope. It, that's not just a financial term. That would be those who are oppressed. Those who are helpless. Those who are without the means to, to rescue themselves. There's a he has a particular justice for them, and he would come to save and to judge. You see the fullness of their expectation. And but here's the deal: all of those things, all of those things, would be evidenced by this ruler would be primarily characterized by healing. His rule, the one who was coming, his, his, his coming, his presence, his doing, would be characterized. It would be, uh, it would be the, 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 the landscape, the identifying marks of his, of his kingdom. Would not be a sword, would not be a shield, would not be a chariot, would not be a torch. Would not be a donkey's jawbone, would not be a, 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 a dagger on his left hand side, would not be a millstone, would not be a tent peg. Oh, that's the book of Judges. Would not be any of those things. It would not be. It, it, the, the, the identifying characteristic of his kingdom would be healing. Oh, yes, Jesus. His kingdom would. He would, he would be one. He would be characterized by one who powerfully confronts the pain and the evils that torment and afflict mankind. The sign of his kingdom would be healing. Maybe you would want to murmur that to yourself wherever you are. The one, the one who is coming? The sign of his kingdom would be healing. So, back to our story. Now John's languishing in prison. John has heard this. John has heard. He has said, one who is coming after me, he is mightier than I. You know, he's going to, remember he said he's got a, he's, in Matthew, he said he's got that fork and the thing and he's, 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 he's sifting the wheat and fire and judgment and you better get right or you're going to get left, right? Turn or burn. He's going to, if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved. But if not, you're going to you're going to burn I mean he is he is coming with righteousness and with judgment this was John's message that the one who was coming was going to shake things up he was going to establish a kingdom of righteousness and justice and this is his big message he's in your face and then the king doesn't like what he says and now John is by himself in the dark in in prison with rats and he's wow. staying there now in hindsight you and I probably want to imagine John is this superhuman person with with steely resolve unmoved unmoved uncaring totally convinced really is that define you and me can you imagine yourself i mean after one week you might be all right but imagine how many how many weeks i don't know months would you have to be sitting in a prison languishing in there and every once in a while you begin to wonder you know it doesn't look like there's much happening in terms of government or rule or justice. I'm sitting here in prison, and I introduced the guy who's supposed to change everything, but the political powers are still running roughshod over people, and the religious leaders are still corrupt. Was I right? Did I hear from God? Is, 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 is it, is there, do you feel, John, But, languishing in prison, he begins to hear stories. He begins to hear stories about healing, about miracles. Languishing in the dark, he begins to hear stories of hope. And it gets his attention. Now, friends, it's it's in, it's it's just too important. I've got to take a timeout right here, and say this, friends. This is one one reason why, and we're going to repeat this several times today. But this is one reason why, the church must never change the subject yeah. from healing, yeah. because it is the testimony of a Jesus who heals yeah. that will reach the ears of those languishing in prison. Even if they disagree cognitively, they might not think there is a God. They might the, who God is may disagree with even their political uh, ideals and their, their their feelings about how things should be run. But see, healing transcends argument, politic, uh, nations, boundaries, culture. It transcends all of it. Yep. it is the. It essentially uh, overrides every debate. John is languishing in prison, but he begins to hear about hope. He hears about someone, about these miracles, but he's only hearing it. So he he gets in touch with his disciples, and he sends them a message, people that he trusts. And he says, go find Jesus of Nazareth and ask him, are you the one or should we keep looking? Are you the one, or should we look for somebody else? Whoa. Mm. John's question is easy to identify with, isn't it? Because we deeply need a Savior. Yes. This, this can't be all there is. There must be more than this. There must be justice. Mm. There must be righteousness. Righteousness. The ledger is imbalanced in the world. Wow. There's corruption, there's oppression, there's there's poverty, there's people are people are starving in the world and they don't need to be. Right. The world has more than enough for anybody. There is no lack of resources on this planet. That's an entire myth. There's more than enough. But it's because of sin and corruption in the pipeline, because of the power of the beast and oppression on people. Yeah. It's unrighteousness that is the cause of suffering in the world. Ooh. Not not people's nothing not the, not, the, not this the, the unrighteousness of those suffering necessarily although none is righteous and all, all need a savior but unrighteousness in systems and in governments wow. and in leaders and in decision processes where people get, from, from 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 all the way from just people getting too carried away with their ego to and their and their idealism to too carried away with absolute corruption and evil yeah. there's this world is broken, and someone needs to make it right. Will it ever be made right? Will it, will, will the scales ever be balanced? Will, there, will, will will there ever will this ever come to an end? Is there any real hope? Is there one who will save us? Who is there one who will lead us? Is there one who will restore us? Is there one? Is it Jesus, or should we keep looking? Is it Jesus, or should we explore Joseph Smith, or any, or 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 Marxism, or or or, or some other political ideal? If it, is it Jesus, or should we look elsewhere? Is there who else is going to come up with a comprehensive plan to eternally uh, change things? Not temporarily, not band aids, not duct tape and chicken wire. But is there anybody who really has a solution for? humanity yes. is there one or maybe there your question isn't that big this morning maybe your question is just in the middle of your life and your circumstances you maybe like John you just need some assurance you just need the reassurance so regardless if your question is it's huge, because of the, the world scale or your or whether your question is you're facing a, a close and immediate need in your home or your family and you wonder if there's is is, is is Jesus the one or should I look somewhere else now how does Jesus answer this question Jesus replied it's important for us to hear for those of you that think perhaps philosophically, theologically or with practical theology and all this kind of stuff, Jesus does not respond with apologetics. He does not respond in philosophical debate. It's not that those things aren't true. they're just inferior to how he answers. Jesus does not respond to the quest to the question of, of existence. Are you the one? He doesn't respond with credentials. He does that elsewhere. He explains to other people through the scriptures. He uses the scriptures elsewhere. Right. But here, are you the one or should we keep looking? Mm. Jesus answers this way. Verse 4. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. Friends, it's, it is entirely imperative that we, that, we re, that we double down, triple down, quadruple down on our understanding... That the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that is heard and seen. It is not just an idea. It is a reality. It is a power. Go back what you hear. Go back and report what you hear and see. Not just what you learned, but what you experienced. Come on. What, 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 what did they hear? Remember, remember what we heard? How was how the one, how was his reign, his kingdom characterized? Remember how specifically, how powerfully? Not just healing, but healing of things uh, that there was no treatment for, no solution for. All of these things, for the blind eyes to be opened and deaf ears to be opened and, and dead to be raised, all of that means there has to be a power that comes from outside of human ability. Uh, 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 there has to be there's a there's there's a there's a source of help that is outside of our human capacity to do something and here it is the blind receive sight go back and tell them this the blind receive sight the lame walk those who have leprosy are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor Every, all of that has happened in Matthew 8 and 9 all of it but he's not saying this this is not he didn't even say it in the past tense. In the, the language here is not past tense. Go back and tell them that this has happened. Tell them it is happening. Tell them, go, go tell John that this is the new normal. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the news is the good news is proclaimed. Hashtag Jesus' is new normal. This is the new normal. Go tell John this, was, this is what is, is happening. And finally, verse 6, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus, uh, Jesus tells them to tell John what they see and hear, namely specifically that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers lepers are clear, deaf, deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor, those broken, those on the margins, those marginalized, those ignored by other powerful people are cherished, are recognized, are seen. The answer to the question, are you the one, was healing. Let us be as simple and clear as possible. The answer to the question, are you the one, the answer to that was healing. The answer to that is healing. The sign that Jesus is the one is healing. But his kingdom is not of this world. It is of and from heaven. Again, most people, including John, probably thought that rule and government, all of that would be nationalistic, it would be political, it would be military. But after Jesus' resurrection, most people finally understood that Jesus' rule is much deeper and far greater. Jesus did not come to overthrow an empire. He came to make all things new. Yeah. He came To rescue us from this evil age. Not to get voted into or overthrow some temporary chair throne. No. He came to rescue us and redeem us from an entire age. He came to call all humanity, all people to repentance and to give all of us everlasting life. And the sign... The assurance of that everlasting life, the sign of that kingdom was and is healing. Hallelujah. Because healing is an inbreaking. It is the, it is the, it is the visitation of the, of the powers of the age to come, of abundant life. Healing is the sign that Jesus is the one. In a sense Jesus says tell John that the works that you see and let these works be an assurance to him that the kingdom has come. Wow. So, what's what are the implications for you and I as followers of Jesus today? You might want to say it with me. It means Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. He is the one who saves. This, this chaos, this nonsense—that, this, this the cycle of chaos—that's been in the world forever. This cycle of chaos. This is not all there is. That's right. There is more than this. There will be justice. Yes. There will be righteousness. Yes. There will. It will be perfect. There. there will be peace. Mm-hmm. The scales will be balanced. The whole world will be made new. There is real hope. Jesus is the one who will save us. And the assurance that he is, that assurance is healing. If we, the church of Jesus Christ, have stopped expecting Jesus to heal, then we have started looking for someone else. If that sounds controversial, or if you are more comfortable with a different Jesus, A Jesus maybe remade in your own comfort level or your frame of reference or your worldview. Maybe you like a more philosophical Jesus or a more political Jesus or just a more wisdom Jesus. But if you're uncomfortable, if it sounds controversial to say that the sign of his kingdom is healing, Remember Jesus said, Blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. See, John, John may very well have been part of those people that were looking for something else. They were looking for, hey, where's all of the... Are you the one? Because shouldn't there be more... Heath- what assurance do we have? And the assurance that, that Jesus' solution is healing. Remember when Herod wanted to see him. He wanted, basically, the, he wanted, he, the, when the, the, the local king wants summons Jesus... Jesus' answer to a political summons is, go tell them I'm busy healing and delivering people. That's the, that's the present ministry of Jesus. It's the assurance. It's the assurance of heaven. It's the sign of his kingdom. Healing is a fundamental sign of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a man named Raymond T. Ritchie that lived, that died in 1968 and... Uh, uh, he was a, a Pentecostal man. I think he was a part of the Assemblies of God at one time, and uh, and uh, he was an evangelist. And uh, he is credited uh, at speaking at I think at the the Southern Texas District meeting, some of some kind of a meeting, where he stood and and made this statement that has uh, that has uh, uh, r- echoed through through uh, the history ever since. Uh, he's credited by saying this: "Divine healing is the dinner bell." Of salvation. That's good. You know what a dinner bell is? Dinner bell is when the, a big, big thing about on the farm, right? The big bell, and you begin to ring that thing, bong, 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 and it's the sound. It's the sound that dinner's ready. That's See, good. and for John the Baptist, he's out there. John the Baptist is languishing in prison, and bong, bong, bong. Jesus says, "Go back and ring the bell." Go back and tell them the bell's ringing. Come on, Jesus! Somebody oh, should shout right now. Okay. Jesus says, "Go back." He says, I'm, uh, "Let me." Oh, am I the one? Let me just ring this bell a little bit. bong <laughs> bong, 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 bong. Jesus rings the bell. He said, "Go tell him. Go tell him. Go tell him the bell's been rung. Go tell him the okay. bell has been rung and the bell is still ringing. Go tell him the bell's ringing." So Raymond T. Ritchie says, "Divine healing is the dinner bell of salvation." Here's the second part: Keep ringing it, and they will come. Yes, yes, yes. We will keep ringing the bell. Hey, Pastor Dad, what are you going to do with all this Rona stuff? Hey, Pastor Dad, what about all this stuff? What about all this government overreach and all, all these conspiracy theories? And what about all the corruption? What about all this? And what are we going to do about that? We're going to ring the bell. Come on. We're going to ring the bell. Woo. Because healing is a sign that points to the age to come. It points to heaven. And when all things will be made new, we will keep ringing the bell. To deny that healing is for today is to distance ourselves from the hope of heaven. We will keep ringing the bell. Every healing. Every healing matters in the moment. Every every healing matters in the moment. I remember my friend Dick Covet hearing him pray in the chapel at our old building. Praying for the Lord to heal people. He talked about how in his prayer he said, "Lord, when you when you heal us, we we feel your love. We feel your loving touch in our bodies." In the moment, healing doesn't need any theological reflection. It's just a magnificent experience of the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every healing matters, especially for the person who needs it. But, healing also signals something more. Healing signals that it gives us an assurance, an assurance that heaven is real. That Jesus is Lord and that He is coming again, and that He will make all things new. And this, this informs our expectations. This strengthens our faith that Jesus is the one. Therefore, we look for Jesus to heal today. We keep ringing the bell. Because that, that is what it means to follow Jesus. He's the one. I asked Megan and Aaron to play this for me today. I just speak Jesus, big Jesus over you wherever you are today. Whatever you're facing. We know very specifically there are those who have told us there are family members that need Jesus, that need His healing touch. Healing isn't a result of the straining of my blood vessels or the raising of my voice. Healing is is as real as heaven. Healing is as real as heaven itself. It comes from heaven. It doesn't come from my efforts or my straining. It comes from my confidence that Jesus is the one. We believe you, Jesus, you are the one over children, over grandchildren, over hearts with holes in them, over chemicals and chromosomes, Jesus, you are the one. Over chronic pain, over broken bodies, broken hearts, broken families, over diagnoses today, Jesus, you are the one. Let the bell of healing, the sound of hope be rung Lord and we as followers of Jesus Christ, we will not change the subject. We will, not, we will not 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 look for or ask for or recreate a different Jesus. You are the healer. You are the healer because you are the savior and the coming king and the one who will make all things new. Lord, we pray for healing today. We pray for healing. May the healing presence of Jesus Christ flood your home and your hearts, right where you are. I pray even now that you would even begin to sense just in your physical bodies God's powerful touch. May he make things right. May he make things whole. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Notice to some, it may sound different or whatever, but if you're able to, just to even to place a hand on an area that needs healing or where you know a family member needs healing. You might say, I just need all of me healed fine. Just say, Lord, I need you to heal all of me today. I believe that you are the one. You are the one, Jesus. I believe you are the one. I believe you are the one. I believe you are the one, Jesus. Amen. We'll be continuing to pray with you and for you. God bless you. God bless you all. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you from 2 to 4 if you need more prayer or help with your pantry.